We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. All right, welcome back, everyone. This is a Saturday, early Saturday morning edition of BuzzBeat Radio. I am Spencer Percy, along with Richie Randall, uh, my fellow co-host here on BuzzBeat Radio. We are without Brian Geisinger. Uh, here this morning. He is off, I think, at a wedding or something like that, Richie. So uh, Brian's been hardworking, picked up a bunch of my slack while I was out for a week. So it'll be Richie and I, the original crew, back this morning. It's been, it's been a while, man. I, I'm kind of excited for this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it brings me back to the old days when we first started this thing up. But yeah, it is early in the morning. I'm doing well. Uh, had a chance to watch the game last night uh, with the uh, Spurs. Uh, and it was a not a late game by any means, but definitely an early turnaround for me this morning. So I'm I'm drinking coffee out of my uh, my Buzzbeat coffee mug, which will eventually be a retro coffee mug because we're going to be changing our logo soon. Yeah, that's right. So we'll get into some other things here. I want to plug a few things, but yeah, while you're on the topic, you brought it up first. So tell our listeners what you would like to tell them about this this new logo. Any teasers you want to throw in there? I don't know. I don't know if I want to throw any teasers. I just think that uh, we needed a new change, especially with uh, Brian coming on. And I just thought we needed a change. I like our old logo a lot, but I just wanted something fresh and different. I will say the only thing that I will uh, give a hint as to, it's just very minimalistic. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to talk too much. I've, I've seen some... Uh, some little mock-ups of what it might look like, and I think you guys are going to be pretty pumped. It's really cool. So, all right, enough on that. And, Richie, I'm with you. This was a very early morning. Um, I actually had to travel for work. I'm in Philly, so, like, I got in. I was telling you before we jumped on, I got into Philly at, like, mid-second quarter of the San Antonio game last night, like, after I battled with the stupid hotel internet and got it connected and then, like, tried to get League Pass to cooperate, which is always a battle in itself. I, I didn't really get tuned in until the second half, and then I had to go back and watch the game. So, yeah, I am uh, running on, I would say, fumes right now. All right, let's jump in. We're going to cover three games. Um, the Memphis game, Hornets win, probably the best win, I would, in my opinion, uh, of the season on Monday. Wednesday, they come home, uh, get revenge against the Bucks. even that seri- season series at one. Shut down the Greek freak. Really impressive there. Uh, and then last night we'll cover the San Antonio game, uh, pretty 
disappointing uh, result for the Hornets in, in the game. I think they definitely had opportunity to win. Um, all right, Richie, let's start with Memphis. So the Hornets go to Memphis. It's the, their first back-to-back of the season. Um, not a whole lot of reason to be, I would say, optimistic about that one. The Hornets going in. Uh, but, you know, they played Orlando the Sunday night before that hard-fought win. If they go into Memphis, Richie, in, in my opinion, it was easily the best defensive uh, performance from the Hornets this season. I thought that Michael Kidd Gilchrist really showed out in that game, shutting down Mike Conley. MKG was also 5-of-5 five five from the field, uh, Got grabbed six rebounds, Was had a plus-minus of 16 in that game uh, in, in 27 minutes. So uh, really showed his worth and, and his uh, his value against a player of Mike Conley's um you know, stature, uh, especially at the point guard position, I mean, MKG just made life so miserable on Conley. And it really showed at the end of the game when Conley, it, you could just tell he had heavy sea legs. I mean, it looked like he was completely gassed. Uh, there's a play that sticks out in my mind towards the end where Kimba, uh, you know, it's a very important defensive possession for the Grizzlies. They need a stop. Uh, Charlotte's up by, I don't know, two, three. It's a possession game. And Conley just like stands straight up out of his defensive stance. Kimba goes right by him and Conley just kind of wraps him. I mean, I, it was a very uncharacteristic play for Conley, but I think it just goes to show he, he was worn out, um, you know, and, and a lot of that should be attributed to MKG's effort. So the Hornets win 104-99, hold the Grizzlies to 34.5% shooting, only 23% for the Grizz uh, from behind the arc. And, uh, astonishingly, Richie, we, we talked we talked about this in the Buzzcast that um, you, myself, and Brian did after that Grizzlies game. The Grizzlies shot less than forty percent at the rim in that game, which is like unbelievable. So the Hornets' defense again was was out, uh, really showing out in this one. Um, what were your some of your just bullet point takeaways from that win? I think first off, yes, it was a second game of the back-to-back and going into Memphis where they're a grinded-out type of team. You know, the optimism heading into that game probably wasn't as high uh, as many fans would have liked. You know, but they showed resiliency all through the game because they really didn't lead. Uh, I mean, they led a little bit in the first quarter, but they didn't take that lead until late in the fourth. So we we were the grinded out team. We showed the resiliency against a team like a Memphis that is a very, you know, a smash mouth type of team. And our defense, like you noted, uh, played very well. I think we started off a little slow. We allowed Memphis to get in the paint early on. They had 30 points in the paint in the first half but it was just 40 overall so they only had 10 in the second half and the fourth quarter is really when we stepped up and Conley like you said he had tired legs we we on the other hand we kept battling we outscored Memphis 31-17 in the fourth quarter and you know a lot of that was the production from Lamb who's just having an amazing season so far and Kimba who we lean on heavily but when it comes down to it, when you allow 17 points, that's that's going to be the defense. You know, the rotations, we just stifled, you know, the Grizzlies in that quarter. And uh, Zeller, Zeller was amazing in that fourth quarter on both ends of the court. Uh, in the fourth quarter alone, he had uh, four offensive rebounds to keep, you know, our possessions alive. So uh, it's good to see when we can use Zeller. We need, we need to use him a little bit more. I feel like he's not getting enough minutes, in my, in my opinion. Uh, but when he was out there, he just brought the energy, especially in that fourth quarter where we took over um, and we took a lead late. And I think to your point, that one play that you were talking about where Conley just kind of wrapped up Kimba, I think at that point we were in the bonus, I think, I, I'm, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I think Kimba yeah, went no, to the we, line. 
You're exactly right. We were. And that's what I mean. Great point. I'm glad you added that, which is what made it even more surprising that Conley would just go ahead and wrap him there and not just move his feet. But um, I, I mean, truly, and I haven't gotten my eyes on every team in the NBA yet this season. I've watched more basketball than um, I would expect myself to have watched at this point. <laughs> a, a newly married man. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, but I, I will say that the Hornets truly are the best help and recover team in the NBA. I'm I'm fine going out on a limb and saying that. And if anybody thinks differently, like shoot me some film, let's talk about it. I want to see a team in the NBA that is better in a gap defense, jumping into passing lanes, driving lanes and recovering to their, to their man. But not only that, chasing him off the three point line, riding his hip and, and driving him into the, you know, it's Cody Zeller, Dwight Howard, sending him in there. Everybody sinks back in and then recovering back to the shooters almost on the catch. Um, I mean, it's, we saw it last night in San Antonio there in the fourth quarter uh, for a few possessions. We saw it a lot in the fourth quarter against Memphis. The Hornets just are on a string defensively when it matters right now. And you look, they've gotten burned. I mean, Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes burned them last night. But you got to hit tough shots against this team uh, late in games because they are going to make you work. Um, and it's been really, really fun to watch. Again, you saw that displayed in Memphis. I, you know, just looking at my game notes from this one, Richie, I think uh, in the first half we saw just the second unit just kind of melting. I, I mean, the Hornets, the first unit has been as good really as it gets, top five in the NBA so far this season. But that second unit, when, when it's a true second unit and you go Monk, Bacon, you know, if Lamb's in there within Frank and, and, and Zeller, you know, that lineup um, is struggling. And it's it's really no other reason other than, you know, you've got Malik Monk out there. You've got uh, Dwayne Bacon out there. You know, you've got two young guys who are going to make a lot of mistakes, especially on the defensive end. And they're just not able to keep water out of the boat consistently. In the first half, that was very, very obvious. I mean, Malik Monk, I mean, he should have just painted himself a traffic cone uh, in that first half defensively. I mean, it just didn't even look like he was trying on certain possessions, which is something he's got to continue to work on. And it, he shows signs there. I mean, he shows signs of a guy who's been coached by Steve Clifford, but he was terrible in the first half uh, against Memphis. Second half was a different story, you know, but it's that second unit until – you know, we can get Michael Carter Williams back, you know, until we can get Nick Batum back. Th- those guys have got to figure out a way to just scratch out, um, scratch out some stops. Um, they really do have to help the first unit and uh, just trying to hold leads or keep the, these games close because, you know, we, we saw it last night in San Antonio too. They just, they go through these stretches where it's these eight, nothing, you know, yep. seven, nothing, 10, yep. nothing bursts from the other team. And all of a sudden, you know, it just takes the air out of the sails uh, for a Charlotte team that's starting games really pretty well all of a sudden with the starting unit. So, um, but, you know, I, I trashed Malik there for a minute. So let me go say he showed some real juice in the second half of this one. Um, ends up with 13 points, hits three big triples in the second half. Uh, actually, in the third quarter there, he's a big reason uh, for Charlotte you know, coming back against Memphis, um, and he, and that carried over into the next night against Milwaukee. But to me, Richie, that really that second half from Monk, uh, and he's going back home. He, he grew up close to Memphis, so I know that game meant a lot to him. But uh, that second half from Monk, uh, you really saw 
kind of what we were, you know, you know, what we covered in, in the draft process and what we were told about what kind of player he could be. I mean, offensively, he was a he was a staple for the Hornets in the second half. And it actually got better the next game against uh, the Bucks. But yeah, I, I think going back to his defense and that second unit defense with Monk and Bacon and and Kaminsky and Graham and Zeller, whoever's out there, uh, like you said, it was it was pretty much an eyesore to watch in the first half. They had. A defensive rating of 107.5 in 13 minutes, those five. Monk, Bacon, Graham, Zeller, and Kaminsky. A lot of that was them just driving into the paint. And when you have these runs of 14 nothing, you know, it's clearly defense. They can't get any stops. And when Kaminsky is not on or our bench is not scoring, um, we don't have any defense out there to kind of stop them and stay with them. So I think that's the biggest thing on the on the bench is the defense. Uh, but if they have it going on the offensive end, at least they can kind of keep pace a little bit. They might not, you know, blow out a big lead, but they're going to stay, you know, stay with the opposing team because they can uh, score the ball. But if Kaminsky's off, if Monk is off, which he has been for a good bit of this season that bench unit uh is going to be hard to watch and i just can't wait till uh you know carter williams comes back batum comes back uh but as of now they're not here so we we got to play without them um but yeah that bench unit is is tough to watch at times yeah and i think it's worth noting as well um while we're talking about monk is like look this this experiment of him at the point guard position which the hornets don't have any other choice right now has has run hot and cold to be kind but in Memphis the other night, as soon as you know, Monk made a few shots, had a few flashes. Kimmo subs back in. Uh, I guess uh, would have been for Bacon or Lamb in that spot, but Monk stays out there. And as soon as Monk can get off the ball, you immediately see a different kind of player, a guy who's able to use flare screens, you use pin down screens. Um, you know, he's so good at getting. You're creating the right angle for the passer on dribble penetration. He doesn't stand. He's always moving off the ball. Um, and so we saw that the other night. I mean, a quick burst. He hits a quick triple. I mean, literally on the first possession that Kimba checks in. Uh, he's just – if he's able to get off the ball, that he thrives. Um, you know, I, not to say that he can't be good with the ball in his hands in pick-and-roll situations in the league. I just think naturally off the ball is where is where Monk thrives. So as soon as you see him playing with Kimba, the dynamic completely changes. Um, Dwight Howard, not a factor in this game, Richie. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, Memphis did a nice job of taking away everything from him at the rim. They really dug in uh, to take everything away there. Um, you know, they were trapping Kimba a lot, I thought. Not, not Gasol as much, but any other opportunity Memphis got to trap Kimba, they were. Um, you know, and I thought they put Dwight <clears throat> in a position – uh, to make a lot of plays, and, and he struggled in this one. But the Hornets still able to scrape out 38 points in the paint despite Dwight only scoring two points himself uh, and just a lot of dribble-drive penetration for the Hornets and their guards in this one. I think we covered everything in Memphis. Anything else that you had? I just want to add to Dwight. I thought the biggest thing with Dwight was his, was his shot selection. It was very, very bad, very poor. Um, he had two 15-plus footers in the first two minutes of the game. I just took a note of it on my notes. I saw that he took two mid-range shots. You know, that's just a recipe for disaster for Dwight. He needs to be down low. I know he's not the best post-up player when you give him the ball and, you know, for an extended period of time, uh, but he needs to be close to the paint, whether that's, you know, on putbacks or, or lobs, but he doesn't need to be facing up 15 feet from the basket. And that, that to me, just was a sign of, of um, how the game was going to go from then on out. So the first two minutes of the game, he had two mid-range shots. 
obviously both both were misses. Yeah, he's he's attempting that shot season. He gets like a token Steve Clifford to to throw into the candy jar and see if something comes out. But um, I don't I don't think he's made one of those yet this season. <laughs> he took one last night in San Antonio. I remember Del Curry just kind of noted like, well, there's another one of those mid range shots that <laughs> it doesn't look terrible, but he hasn't made it yet. So I don't know why he's taking it. But anyways, that's you live with that kind of stuff with Dwight. Let's give him a little credit. I mean, Marcus all is four fifteen in this game. Like Dwight's physicality that has worn on everyone he's played so far yeah. this season. Yeah. It, it's been really impressive actually. I can't believe how good he looks out there moving around on the floor and how physical he's been. But Marcus all struggled in this game and Dwight deserves a lot of credit for that. So um I mean look, the Hornets have reinvigorated him so far this season. It's, it's actually shocking to me. I didn't expect this, but it's been awesome to watch. Let's Let's get away from that game. Uh, big win for the Hornets and move to Wednesday night. Uh, Charlotte came home against Milwaukee. You know, this game was a revenge game, number one, for the Hornets, who lost in Milwaukee on a game they could have won the week before. Um, and they get the Bucks on a back, the second of a back-to-back. I think this was the first Milwaukee back-to-back of the season. They got trashed by... Uh, Oklahoma City the night before so this seemed to really line up for a Hornets victory but the Hornets did not have a great defensive performance in this one certainly not as good as a Memphis game but they get the win 126 121 Um, they just this was just a shootout I mean this was like who gets the ball last uh, type of game Kimball Walker doing you know just being a wizard with the basketball but I mean look Milwaukee did what they had to do to win this game. I think they, they shoot almost 50% from the field. They shoot 53% um, from three land, uh, 80% from the line. I mean, they, you know, take care of the ball, only 14 turnovers, but you know, Charlotte, they did it better. I mean, the Hornets yeah. are 53 and a half percent from the field, 56% from behind the arc, only take 25 threes, but I mean, very high efficiency there. Uh, you know, and it was just, again, it was, Everyone pitched in in this game. I mean, Malik Monk had his career game. He scores 25 points, 10 of 17 from the uh, from the field, 5 of 8 from behind the arc. I mean, what he did in the third quarter of this game was just was just absolutely silly. I mean, it was it was kind of like Richie watching that Carolina Kentucky game uh, early last college basketball season where he's dribbled down. It's just like every you text me the other night because you were at this game. Everything he threw up, you were like, it just you just thought it was going in. Yeah, I was at the game. It was it was a fun game to go to, a fun game to watch. Uh, the crowd turnout was pretty good, even though I feel like the crowd turnout. I feel like when we're watching these games at home, I see some empty seats, but this game seemed to be a decent crowd for a Wednesday night game. Yeah, I mean, it, Kimba Kimba took over in the first half, and so everything he threw up in the first half uh, was going in. He shot eighty six percent from the floor in the first half, eighty six percent, twenty points heading into the half. And then in the second half, it was all Monk, and especially in the fourth quarter. He had 18 points in the fourth quarter, and we talked about, you know, is he a point guard, is he a shooting guard, what are they trying to mold him into? Uh, A lot of his points came off the dribble. You know, he was just, you know, setting his man up, shot the ball, and after he made like the first two or three in the fourth quarter, every time he shot the ball, you know, the the fans started to stand up, or they they knew that this shot was going to go in. So it definitely took the crowd over as he was, um, you know, going in here on in the fourth quarter where he scored seven eleven from the field and four from six from from deep. Yeah, this was his coming out game. Uh, it was amazing to see at home and to see. You know, the crowd get involved with with, uh, Monk. He needed a game like this for his confidence. We know that he can have these games like this. We just need to see a little bit more consistency out of him, and I get it. He's a rookie. Uh, He'll get there. But, yeah, that was fun to watch. And then one more thing that I want to note on the positive end is Dwight. 
very different than the Memphis game. He took advantage of thinner, smaller players uh, like Thon McCor and Henson, and his shot selection was 10 times better than Monday night's game against Memphis. All of his 10 attempts came from within five feet of the basket. So he's six for 10, and all points came within five feet. So that's what I want to see Dwight do. And we saw a little bit of it in, in San Antonio as well. He just is going to bully the guys. They'll either foul him or uh, he'll get a dunk. So that's kind of what we want to see. Don't don't take those mid-rangers. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point about Dwight. Um, you know, I, I think that the trend to watch with him is if he takes more than 10 free throws and the factor of um, Hacka Howard is, is not present, then that means that exactly what you just said, that he's getting deep into the paint, um, he's sealing, he's sprinting hard off pick and rolls, he's getting to the rim, and he's getting his field goal attempts from there, right? So that that's very important to note. Again, if you see 10-plus free throws and um, the other team did not you know, unearth that hack of Howard um, strategy, then I think that's a great sign for him. And he displayed that perfectly in this game, gets to the free throw line 11 times, makes five of them, six of 10 from the floor, 17 points, 11 rebounds. That's exactly what you want for Dwight. And three assists. And, Richie, there is a specific yep. <laughs> example. And you remember – you know it was play I'm going to talk about. Um, a pick and roll with Dwight and Kimba. Milwaukee traps it. Dwight, a little short roll. Um, the help comes from the opposite. He spins off the help, a little reverse pivot, and pitches a left-handed, left-handed pass. Left-handed, yep. Perfectly into the pocket of Jeremy Lamb, right? Opposite corner uh, was, was Lamb. Lamb. Yep, I think it was Lamb. Okay. It was Lamb, and Lamb catching shoots this year has been just butter. Um, it was almost unbelievable. I saw it, and I had to run it back like five times. I, was I, like, I did not. That's yeah. Not- I didn't. I don't know how he saw him because I, I mean, as a crowd, we saw the wide open Jeremy Lamb, but like his back was to Lamb. Like because when he caught it on that short roll, he basically just quickly turned. So he he must have just sensed the help coming or something. But it, it was it was amazing to see you know Dwight make that pass to the opposite corner. Well, I hope it's a sign of just you know that he's been you know he's been practicing this. Yeah. Um, you know he he does have a higher basketball IQ on the offensive end than maybe he gets credit for sometime. I mean that play was just beautiful. And again, the most impressive part about it was number one left handed pass. Number two, like. I mean, it was so money. It just fell right into Lamb's shooting pocket. It was awesome. So uh, impressive game for Howard here. And another guy we did not mention, uh, Richie, in that Memphis, uh, about that Memphis game that we should have because he was awesome. Uh, and, he, and he showed some flashes in this game as well, is Cody Zeller. I, I just want to take a minute and talk about his energy coming off the bench, um, how he has worked with the bench to start the season. Uh, I think it's just like – I describe Cody as just a winning basketball player, keeping offensive rebounds alive, uh, even if he's not the one that ends up corralling it. Um, you know, he pulls down eight rebounds in this game against Milwaukee. He only scores six points, two of five from the field, but he just does like all the little things. He has one block shot in this one. Um, you know, he dishes out an assist. He, I've been so impressed with how willing he has been to just put it all on the line. That he knows that he's with this second unit, has to play with Dwayne Bacon, you know, has to play with Malik Monk, you know, has to play with these guys off the bench. He has to do even more uh, of the small, gritty, um, you know, dive after loose balls, go after offensive rebounds, you know, box out two guys if he has to. I mean, all these things, um, he's got to do more of them now. And I've been so impressed with just sacrificing. I mean, that's what Cody Zeller represents uh, for this Hornets team is sacrifice. And he's done it very willingly with Dwight Howard entering this year. Um, just quickly, I, I wanted to mention him. Rich, your thoughts on Zeller so far this season. 
It's a good point. Yeah, he sacrificed his starting role to move to the bench unit. And when you're playing with the bench unit, you're probably not going to be as effective because you're playing with uh, lesser talent. Uh, but you know, he took it with stride. He's out there doing the, some of the same things that he did with the starting unit, uh, hustling. You know, if, if like you said, if he's not getting the offensive rebound, at least he's tapping it back. Uh, but he's just a constant. Him and like Marvin and Kemba, you know that they're going to bring it every night on a competitive level, on a hustle level. And, you know, him being, quote unquote, demoted to the bench unit uh, has not changed his play style whatsoever. And we do need to give him some credit, uh, even though he might not uh, put up the same type of numbers that he did last year. But a lot of that is a, is a byproduct of him playing with the bench unit. And I just wonder if he does need to see a little bit more time with the starting unit because he doesn't look from the eye test as effective because he's playing with with players that are still learning the game and and bacon and monk and you know you, you got kaminsky out there who's so inconsistent um i would love to see zeller who was our second best player last year uh to actually get a little bit more time with kimba and some of the starters but we'll see how that kind of pans out as healthy players come back in and and the rotations uh should should change a little bit but uh yeah Credit, credit to Zeller. Yeah, good. So I just wanted to take a minute to, to mention him because I would be remiss if we missed him in this uh, episode with how good he's been off the bench. But um, I don't know, Richie. I mean, what else did you really have about this game? Again, I, I told you before the show that I was going to kind of lean on you here. I saw the first, second, and fourth quarters of this one, but I had to go back and watch it after the fact. Um, you know, new new married life uh, takes effect sometimes. So what? Uh, anything else in this one? Chris I mean, Middleton went for 43, yeah. which is super random. It was, it was weird because it was a quiet 43. I, I looked up at one point, um, you know, watching watching the game from the arena, I do like the atmosphere and everything, but you don't catch everything. And I, I looked up at one point, and he was close to 40 points, and I just didn't realize that. After looking, you know, at the, the game sheet and everything, they, they allowed 49% uh, shooting from the Bucks and 53, like you said, from, defense, or from uh, three points. So, uh, yeah, he was five from 11 from deep. Yeah, but it was a quiet, quiet 43 if there is such a thing. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I feel like the Hornets, I mean, he made some tough shots. I mean, yeah. that's kind of what Middleton does. He still thinks he's this, like, I don't know. I, I, he he needs, like, the same kind of, like, coaching that Jeremy Lamb needs. Like, take more catch-and-shoot threes. You know, you're not Carmelo Anthony. Stop, like, trying to be this creator. Uh, but that's what Middleton wants to be. This is one of those games where he catches fire, and it's – I mean, look, he's a good player. I just feel like he's not capitalizing on – what he could do best and how he could, you know, most impact games. And that's spacing the floor, you know, catch and shoot, play off the ball, but he wants to play on the ball a lot. Um, you, you know, it, it's worth certainly mentioning how the Hornets really corralled Giannis in this game. Uh, you know, Greek Freak struggled. He was 5 of 16 from foul the floor. Trouble too. Got him in foul trouble. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Foul trouble. I mean, I think he had, what, he had four early in the third. Is that yeah. right? right? Yeah. 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 So, you know, he only like, he ends up playing 31 minutes, almost 32 minutes in this game. So Milwaukee's still able to you know, find ways to get him on the floor. But, yes, he, he battled foul trouble, and that certainly benefited the Hornets um, in this one. Uh, I, I think the other thing is just the bench, uh, Richie, in this game. To me, the bench was excellent. Oh, yeah. I mean, not one guy. And this is actually one of those, like, inverted reverse games for the Hornets. Like, if they win 126-121, you're like, uh, against anybody, you're like, all right, so the starting unit just went nuts offensively. Actually, no, it was quite the opposite. The starting unit got outplayed pretty much by Milwaukee's starting unit, but the second unit won this game. 
uh, for the Hornets. I mean, look, Travion Graham plus plus 16, Kaminsky plus 18, Zeller plus 14, Monk plus 6, Bacon plus 5. I mean, they all have positive plus minuses in this game. And, you know, that stat can certainly be wonky, but I actually think it's pretty representative of how they played in this one. Yeah, the bench outscored Milwaukee's bench 52 to 31. So that was that's a huge advantage there. And, you know, a lot of it did come from Monk. You know, he had 25 points. And you were just kind of rattling off those plus minuses. Uh, Travion Graham, you said he had a plus 16. I, and I don't even think he scored a, a single point in the game. I don't have it in front of me, but did he score at all? I mean, he he was a plus sixteen, like you said. I I, I saw that at one point. He did, he did he did not score. He was over. <laughs> he took one he took one field goal. Yeah. Um. He he actually fouled out. Uh, oh, that's right. Steal. That's right. Yeah. 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 One steal, five assists. Richie. Five uh, assists. Two 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 rebounds. One offensive rebound. I mean, we've talked about it. The reason that Cliff loves Graham, excuse me is that defensively he does the small things. He's not like an incredible defender. I think we probably give him a little too much credit sometimes at how good of a defender he is, but he's never out of position. You know, it's not great at moving his feet, is a little bit glued to the floor, has slow feet, but he's always in position. And then offensively, he moves the basketball. Like if that guy doesn't have an open shot or straight line, you know, a straight line lane, uh, to the rim, he's going to move the basketball. I mean, there's he doesn't even get to a half second before it's out of his hands. You know, either through a dribble, a shoot, a shot, or a pass. So he just keeps things connected. And you know, he did a great job uh, on that second unit that night. I mean, it, that's a perfect encapsulation of his game. He doesn't necessarily have to score to impact the game in a big way, uh, especially on the offensive end. So I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, and Travion, look, he has a lot of limitations. Um, they're pretty obvious, I think, when you watch him play. But he has done everything that Clifford could have asked him and more uh, in these spot minutes so far this year. And and those are probably going to go away, you know, when uh, when Batum comes back and, and Michael Carter Williams is healthy. You know, Graham's going to not see minutes at all, really. And so I will say that he he had to guard Giannis in both games. You know, maybe not for an extended period of time, but I, I thought he did very well on Giannis in both games because he's giving up so much length and height. Um, he makes up for that with his with his you know his power and he's he's a little bit quicker than Marvin when it comes to moving laterally side to side. So I thought he did a good job on uh, Giannis in this game and the previous game. But yeah, he's a typical Clifford player. Uh, but this game was far from a Clifford type of game in this shootout, allowing 121 points. All right. Um, very good. Anything else on this game you want to cover, Richie, before we head to San Antonio? No, I think that's it. We covered, you know, the strong play by our point guards, our bench. Uh, that's pretty much kind of covering this game a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it was very unclifford like Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it was a really exciting game. I'm sure we're leaving stuff out. But uh, we're going to move on and, and wrap this, this thing up with the San Antonio game last night. Again, we're recording this on a Saturday morning. So this game is the freshest uh, in our minds. Um, you know, Richie, th- this one specifically stings more than any other other of the losses so far this season because it felt like we got the San Antonio team that really most other teams have gotten this year. Uh, they're they're just not really that good. <laughs> uh, they don't have a lot of options. Um, you know, Lamarcus Aldridge was not good in this game. Paul Gasol was—I forgot—he was out there a lot. Um, you know, it, they're just. They're not a very good team right now, um, and Charlotte got them on a night where they shoot 47% from the field. That's better than they have been. Um, but you know, from behind the arc, they were only 33%, 9 of 27. Uh, it just really felt like Charlotte could have won this game, uh, and they just looked a little bit 
Lethargic. No, a little bit lazy. Yeah, a little bit lethargic. You know, a little bit lazy. The second unit really, really struggled. Um, you know, the big bright spot for the Hornets in this one is Jeremy Lamb has a career high, uh, twenty-seven points, ten of fifteen from the floor, three of three from behind the arc, uh, and all three of those threes. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. Are catch, assisted and catch and shoot, catch and shoot. When that guy catches with his feet set in the shooter's pocket. Doesn't put it on the floor and dribble for show, but he loves to do when he just catches it and shoots it in rhythm. He's actually a pretty good three-point shooter. It's a it's a, a trend we're starting to see more. Right. So really good game. Yeah, I mean he's he's a catch and shoot player when it comes to three-point shooting, uh, but when it comes to the mid-range, obviously I feel like he excels better when he's coming off the dribble. But yeah, all three of those three-point shots were assisted. Uh, two of them were corner threes where they were baseline drives by Kimba. On one occasion, and Graham on another occasion, who threw that you know that baseline pass to him, and he just caught it and shot it. Didn't think about it. Uh, the third one was in transition, where Bacon was kind of up ahead, and, and actually Lamb was the trailer, and he kind of just pitched it back to Lamb, and he caught it at the top of the key and just shot it. So yeah, he is he is doing a whole lot better on three point shots, and I think he's I think a lot of it you know you know over the summer he worked on that, but also. He's, it's catch and shoot. We don't want him dribbling and, and shooting that ball from behind the arc. Uh, where he does his best work is in the mid-range and uh, off the dribble. And I think what I'm so impressed with Lamb about this year is the way that he can get to his spots and shield his man on his back. And he's just so comfortable you know, getting into that mid-range. There's a guy on his back, and he just elevates for a floater or a mid-range shot. And yeah, today, today, or last night's game was definitely a career game for Lamb. 27 points, 9 rebounds, and 6 assists. So uh, definitely continues to impress me in getting to his spots. And he's just, he's just comfortable out there. It just seems like he's a different player. I, I agree. I definitely agree, Richie. I mean, you're right about his mid-range game. You know, he, he's going to take two, three, four dribbles, five dribbles um, sometimes to get to his spot. And he's very, very efficient. You know, when he gets into that mid-range area, that really that short floater area, um, he's, he's also very efficient at the rim. But I think it's very important for Jeremy Lamb to embrace the idea of being an off-the-ball player. And yeah. I think he's starting to do that. Um, you know, he lives on the left side of the floor, but I mean, on a few occasions, you know, you see, you know, Kimba or if it's Travion Graham assisted to him um, once from the baseline, you know, Lamb's on the left wing, that ball gets to the baseline. And instead of standing, you know, in, in, a, in a way that a guy that needs the ball in his hands to create would typically do, which Lamb has done for most of his career so far, I would say, instead of kind of standing in, in just space because I'm not involved in the play and I don't have the ball, he's moving with the ball. So as the, so as the ball goes from the right baseline drive, He's floating to the left corner, which, you know, any off the ball shooter would always do. And really, that's that's basketball. You know, he did that uh, twice last night, both um, assisted on corner catch and shoot threes. So, again, he's, he's embracing this idea of being able to play off the ball and, and be a catch and shoot player. Um, and then the one from the top at the end uh, is assisted from the left wing. He's kind of the trailer in that situation from the left wing. I can't remember him doing the pass. He catches it at the top. Uh, just uncorks it, you know, splash, three. And honestly, Richie, I don't think either any of the three shots that he made from behind the arc even, like, thought about touching the rim. All right, I take that back. The one from the corner, he actually got oh, a really hit, friendly it roll. It hit up and it went in, I think. Yeah. The other two, I mean, like, they really – it really looks smooth and pretty. I mean, it, he gets great arc on his shot. He shoots on the way up. I mean, it splashed right through the net. So 
I believe in this guy's ability to to end up being a plus behind the arc shooter as a catch and shoot player, and it's we're finally starting to see it this year. I got a question for you. I got a question for you. So, do you think that uh, I feel like a lot of teams, depending on their pace and style of play, is like we play to their their pace. So, like San Antonio, uh, Memphis, I feel like they're always the one dictating the pace, and it felt like it was just such a boring game to watch because we were so slow early in the first half because you know san antonio wants to grind it out and take their time with it and i feel like we're not always best suited to kind of follow the pace and the style to play of the opposing team and i just felt like it it was tough to get things going early on because we were just kind of falling into san antonio's lap with their with their pace of play i no, i agree with you 100 percent. and actually uh mark you know queen city hoops mark and he'll be uh putting together the recap actually for this one um sometime this morning he brought this point up yesterday on Twitter, and he was absolutely right. He nailed it. Um, you know, San Antonio is going to try to coax us into this really small, slow pace, especially when they're without Leonard. I mean, that's if, if they, it's like they're kind of a boa constrictor right now, right? They have to kind of lull you to sleep and, yes. and get wins. I mean, yeah, the the Hornets only get. Uh, I mean, look, they get eighty eighty field goal attempts in this one. The Spurs only take eighty three. I mean, it's an extremely slow game. Um, and Mark said, like, Hornets got to do everything they can to speed this game up. He made the point yesterday. He's absolutely right. And they just weren't able to do it. I, what I would say, Richie, is that I don't think a Steve Clifford team is, like, naturally uh, ready to push the pace. That's where Kimball Walker, um, again, I mean, look, he does so much for this team. I, I, I almost feel guilty when I say, well, he should do this or he should do more of this. But that's where he has to recognize the importance of getting out in the open floor and a guy like Jeremy Lamb and like in, in grab and go situations. I mean, those are the kind of players who can make a difference when you play against a team like San Antonio on their home floor. You know they're going to try to slow the game down. Those guys got to push the pace and take some chances in the open floor, and they didn't do that tonight. Um, so you know, on the Kimba point, he struggles. He's four of twelve, one of six from behind the arc, only thirteen points, uh, four assists. Uh, two turnovers, no rebounds. I mean, really, a not a good game for Kimba at all. Maybe his worst of the year. Actually, I think I think it might have been. Um, yeah, not not really a factor. Not not really a factor. Couldn't find. Just I mean, San Antonio did a nice job against him, but you expect them to do that defensively in the half court. He just didn't get any easy opportunities. Uh, Kimba only gets to the foul line five times. Always a red flag for him. He's so proficient in getting to the charity stripe. Uh, but yeah, the Hornets. They just fell right into the Spurs' lap in this one. And look, it's not surprising, but it's a little disappointing, again, because you felt like the Spurs just were the Spurs of, of 17-18 so far, which is not a very good basketball team, and Charlotte could not take advantage. Um, you know, the Spurs get – well, let me throw out this stat, and then I'll kind of transition into Bryn Forbes and Patty Mills' uh, performance, but – the Spurs bench outscored Charlotte's 54 to 16 in this game. Pretty much the entire story, uh, if you want to th- just throw out one stat. Um, and then Bryn Forbes out of nowhere goes eight of 11, scores 22 points, goes three of five from behind the arc. Uh, had an and one three late in the fourth uh, that was just a, a dagger, really. The Spurs had a few daggers, really, but I, just kind of a random performance <laughs> there, which is the most Spurs thing ever. Um, I thought, you know, Patty Mills, who's been pretty terrible this season, breaks out of that last night, uh, goes for 17 points, hits four threes in this one, Richie, and I think three of them were in the fourth quarter. Maybe all four of them, actually. I can't 
can't remember, but I know three of them were in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, and, and were killers. I think that's right. But anyways, he hit some super clutch threes down the stretch, and two of them. I mean, Kimba is just right in his pocket. It, you can't ask for really better defense. I don't think. I mean, that's that's kind of what Patty Mills does. But uh, the Spurs hit a lot of tough shots. I mean, again, they weren't very proficient from behind the arc, but they hit enough of them in crucial moments uh, that it kind of takes the wind out of the sails. For the Hornets, um, just kind of going down my notes, I do want to touch on Frank Kaminsky. Uh, rough game for him. Oh, yeah. two of nine, two of nine, six points, uh, 0 of four from behind the arc. And he, I mean, they were all pretty much great looks. He just didn't knock them down. Four rebounds, two turnovers. Um, and in a Greg Popovich way, he sought out Kaminsky in the fourth quarter defensively. Um, Cliff takes him out, I think around the four or five minute mark, puts Marvin back in, but Rudy Gay just ate him alive. Yeah. And you actually touched on this on Twitter this morning. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm, so I'm going to throw it to you here in just a second, but Pop puts him in a pick and roll and, and Ginobili dunks on him, which is just like so sad. But, um, and then Rudy Gay, like I said, just eats him alive. And Pop just constantly went at Frank Kaminsky there in the, for a stretch in the mid fourth and, and, Frank just couldn't couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, it, it, Spencer's actually the mid third that it actually happened, uh, but it probably happened in the fourth as well because uh, yeah, Kaminsky was just uh, getting beat uh, anytime he was out there, and that's not a surprise by any means. But like like you said, the biggest stat if you were to throw it out there is the bench play when they got outscored sixty four to sixteen. And so just just to kind of recap a little bit of the third quarter where we made our run. So um, Dwight Howard again, he was much more aggressive in this game compared to let's say Monday where he was shooting those mid range shots. He was getting deep in, you know, deep post position. He had an alley-oop. He had several offensive rebounds. This was about, I would say maybe the 10 minute mark to the six minute mark in the third quarter. And Charlotte went on a 14 to five run. You know, Dwight was heavily involved in this and uh, this, in this stretch, I think we had like a five point lead after this 14, five run. Then the bench started to trickle back in, and this is when Rudy Gay took over uh, with uh, with Frank Kaminsky, and uh, they went on a 14-0 run right after we just had our great stretch in the third quarter, uh, and Gay just kept on attacking Kaminsky in the paint, uh, getting easy basket after easy basket, uh, and then one time he was playing off ball, and, and Kaminsky, for whatever reason, was so deep in the paint when Zeller was right there at the rim helping, uh, he left Gay wide open for it in a corner three. And at that point, I just felt like that was like the nail in the coffin. I know that we had a little late run in the fourth quarter, but that third quarter when we actually took the lead and then lost it right back when the bench came in, to me, that just signaled everything for this game in terms of how we were playing. Uh, yeah, Frank Kaminsky, uh, I felt like should have been taken out earlier. And it's a, kind of a question I want to pose to you or just a thought. Like, I feel like Clifford, and we've talked about this, how stubborn he is with some of his lineups. Like, why, why can't he take out a Kaminsky in this situation a little bit earlier yeah. I know that you're trying to save and rest players for that late stretch in the fourth quarter, but I mean, what is one or two extra minutes going to do to a player's body? I mean, I guess over the course of the season, I, I understand like, you know, Kimba doesn't play all that much. I feel like compared to other star players and they try to rest him, rest him, rest him. But I feel like if, if, if there's a mismatch like this, that's being taken advantage of, like you said, by pop, you need to address it or you need to call a timeout and, and just kind of, uh, talk about it but i feel like he just sticks with his predetermined rotations a lot of times 
No, I, I think it's a great point, Richie. I really do. And yeah, thank you for correcting me. Number one, about the third quarter where Frank gets cooked. Number two, I said 54 to 16 in bench points. You're right. It was actually 64 to 16. So I was giving the Hornets too much credit there. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're exactly right. I think that, um, you know, Kaminsky is clearly struggling in this game. And not only that, but defensively, like, let's face it, Clifford, like he's not going to be a factor and pop is going to go at him and he's going to get beat off the dribble and they're going to put him in pick and roll situations. And yeah, why not bring Marvin back in or hell the Spurs are going small. Uh, They play, you know, three almost combo guards around Gasol and uh and Aldridge a lot so why not put bacon or, or monk in there next to Kimba and lamb and go like Zeller Howard or something like yeah. that you know you get creative um I, I agree with you it's very very frustrating I think it has a lot to do why the Hornets lost this game I'm not putting it all on that I mean there's certainly a lot of things that happen but he's a he's a zero he's a negative in this game it's not a good matchup for him he can't keep up with how quickly the ball moves with San Antonio and look that's that's Frank. Like you live and die with this guy. He runs hot and cold. If he's not engaged offensively, he sucks defensively. Like how many times do we need to talk about this? Um, so yeah, I agree with you. And I, I think the stubbornness is certainly something that that comes back and gets Cliff. And I think this is a great example. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, another thing I had, I just wanted to revisit this play. Just not because again, this is what lost the game for the Hornets, but you know, I think it's another learning um, opportunity for Jeremy Lamb. You, you know, the Hornets did a great job there in that fourth quarter to come back and really they, they got close enough to give themselves some chances. I want to visit, uh, you know, a stretch in the fourth quarter. Lamb makes it 90 to 86. Actually takes a few hard dribbles going right um, towards the top of the key. And we know he's not going to try to finish going right very often. And then it's a nasty, quick little crossover coming back to the left, gets to the basket and one dribble after that layup, 90 to 86, coming back the other way. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, Bryn Forbes had this and one triple that he uncorked. So so I think it's Mills kind of dribble drives right against Kimba and Lamb in gap defense, you know, you know, bites down to help there. But he just takes a really bad angle and he almost like flips his right hip and his body to where he goes for the steal. Whereas if he just would have stepped in with his right foot and still kept the body angle to recover to Bryn Forbes right shooting hand, you know, none of that would have ever happened. And that's something, again, the Hornets have been great at this year, you know, recovering to the shooter, but not only that recovering to their shooting hand, make them put it on their weak hand and then drive their hip, you know, into the paint there, you know, all of a sudden lamb just like completely abandons this, uh, you know, this strategy and he goes for the steal. So he takes a bad angle when he's recovering to Forbes mills, pitches it to Forbes, Forbes shoots it. Of course, lamb fouls him and one three. That was pretty much the game to me. So again, not the reason the Hornets lost, but it's a possession. And if you get a chance, just go run that back on league pass. Um, You just, it was fundamentally something the Hornets don't do often defensively. They play a lot of gap defense and drop the dribble drive, but they don't take a bad angle like Lamb took there, and I think that's something he can learn from. I just feel like there's a lot of deflating stretches in this game. The one that I talked about in the third quarter, and then obviously in the fourth quarter where we had a chance, we came back a little bit, um, but a play like that will just deflate the sales out of a team, out of the fans, and 
you know, like we mentioned prior, you know, this was a perfect opportunity to beat the Spurs without Kawhi Leonard and a team that had lost, I think, four straight games heading into this game. Uh, so we had every opportunity to win, but it was just a deflating game any way you look at it. Agreed. Um, very deflating. So the Hornets um, get a night off, Richie. And then, of course, I didn't pull this up before, but they're back in action uh, Sunday night where? At Minnesota. At, that's right. At Minnesota. So another tough one coming. For Charlotte, that's the second of four straight road games uh, here for the Hornets in their first, uh, really, their road test uh, of the season. Um, all right, I think I think that's it for that game. I think we did a pretty nice job covering those three games. Richie, I have to run. Working on Saturdays is, is just awesome. It's one of my favorite things. So I have to go do that. Uh, but I will be in Charlotte tomorrow for the big Panthers uh, versus Falcons NFC South showdown. I'm pumped about that. Um so yeah, a half game anything, separates, you know, the Panthers and the Falcons here. So this is a, this is a huge one. This feels like a must win for both teams. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm pretty pumped about being able to go to this game. Um, all right. So don't forget, everybody, we are a member of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. Check out AlmightyBaller.com for a bunch of awesome uh, shows, podcasts covering the entire NBA, every team, fantasy basketball, whatever you want, man. Uh, we we've got it over at AlmightyBaller.com. Chris Axman, uh, our, our uh, fearless leader, does a great job uh, over there. And don't forget also our good friends at Sports Channel 8. It's Saturday. It's a, Actually, it's a huge college football Saturday. Uh, and SportsChannel8.com, they've got you covered on all ACC football and, and ACC basketball, which is right around the corner. All right, Richie, anything else I have left out? No, you've, you've covered it all. Uh, we got Minnesota on Sunday, uh, a very high-potent offense, offensive team. So we're going to have our hands full with uh, players like Butler and, and Anthony Towns. But we'll see how that goes because on the opposite end, their defense is, is pretty poor. So we'll, we'll see kind of how that goes. It could be could be a shootout. Yeah, that one definitely could be a high-scoring game. I don't, I don't expect it to be like last night. All right, uh, well, for myself and my good friend Richie Randall, uh, this is BuzzBeat Radio. We will see you guys next time. Go Hornets. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.